All right, welcome to the Lair of Secrets podcast, a podcast about gaming and being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I just spent a week in the frozen wilderness of Pennsylvania. And I am David Moore, and I stayed inside this last week, and I'm jealous of the vacation that Ken had. <laughs> it was a fun little vacation. I had this great plan, so I had to drop my daughter off at College of Vermont, so we drove all the way to Vermont. And then on the way back, uh, my in-laws have a place up in the Poconos, so I swung by there and uh, got in just ahead of the most recent snowstorm we got. So I got in two hours later, it started to snow. A couple hours later, a couple inches of snow on the ground. Next day, we got like six inches. So it was great. Like I spent um, the holiday just kind of chilling for a day, and then I worked remotely for, I think, two days just me myself and uh hank our uh, former seeing eye puppy who is now our seeing eye puppy razor <laughs> uh <laughs> we built a snowman uh nice i built a snowman uh hank watched yeah. me build a snowman and That's then helping. uh yeah That's helping. <laughs> it was great like he wanted to play catch and so or play fetch we don't play catch um and so i was throwing the ball but it kept getting lost in the snow so i started like duck moving the snow aside to like find the ball. And then I realized this is the perfect snow for making a snowman. Like it's nice, just sticky enough that like you can easily make a ginormous ball. Yep. Um, so, so I made like a seven foot tall snowman. It was fantastic. Very nice. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I overestimated. I did not do a great job. So you, you know, you make the base, you can make the base as big as you want because you don't have to lift it. And then, you know, the second ball, uh, was way too big. <laughs> I had to do some strategic editing to get it down to a size that I could actually lift onto the onto the bigger ball. And then after that, I just uh, I hung out for two days and read comic books and uh, the Expanse, the last Expanse novel, which we're going to talk about in a bit, and uh, watched a bunch of movies. I watched like the latter half of the movies leading up to uh, Infinity War and. Okay. Um, what you might call it end game gotcha so you know five or six movies just chilling you know because you're by i was by myself it's very quiet but mm -hmm. you know it's nice to have a movie on in the background and just chill so that was cool um so speaking of the expanse yeah yep uh it's crazy i think it's been i've been like reading these books for nine years ten years it's been a, it's been a long time it's been a staple of my summer reading list for a very long time and so i just finished the ninth and final book in the series which uh, was very good i don't did you have you read it yet i have not read the books i've only seen okay. the series and uh, i will say one thing like i know that you're sad that it's ending but at least all the books came out yes <laughs> we're you and i are both still waiting on the third book in the in one series and you know it's like some of these series are are taking a very long time to have their third or second or third book this is like uh the patrick rothos set of, set yeah, of books like, that i'm thinking of right now yeah the king killers right king killer chronicle i think that's it yeah with the cloth yes yes our the, the innkeeper with his like you know legendary stories and all that and, right <laughs> yes and, <laughs> yes that one yep and then uh uh i never finished it but the the wheel of time series which is also now being made into a series I think I dropped it at book five, but the author, like from what I understand, the series was doing so well that the editor was basically saying, no, don't, don't cut it down. Keep, keep the series going. And then he died of a rare blood disease. And then Brandon Sanderson had to come in and take over the last parts of it. 
and uh, I have not read past book five. Um, there were there were a lot of issues, and I I read a blog post recently that I am not alone <laughs> in those no, issues. Yeah, I think it's a very frequent. <laughs> when you get to like book five or six, there's like the like the long time in the wilderness, which is the books between then and when Sanderson took over. Because like Sanderson's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm wrapping this thing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it still took him like two or three books to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a lot. There were a lot of different plots, and I really I really enjoyed it. But there were some books that just did not go anywhere, um, did not move the plot forward. And, uh, you know, I've, I've actually heard that same blog post was actually talking about the series and we weren't meant to talk about the wheel of time, but somehow we got here. (laughs) Thank you. My brain. Uh, yeah. So like the changes that that person, the, that author of the blog post was saying that the changes in the, in the, Amazon series actually makes some of the things better and also tightens up the pacing uh, compared to the books. So like the men actually talk more and, (laughs) uh, and think more and the men and the women aren't. Yeah. Basically there's, they're more normal people. (laughs) Yeah, and they're not constantly pulling their braids and putting their hands on their on their hips. Yes, yes. I, would, I think or, the standard lines for all of the uh, female characters in the Wheel of Time. So I agree. Yeah. It's it's and the, well the well turned calves. Was... You know, them looking at well turned calves, and uh, yeah, all that. the all the men going, man, I I really would be like would like to be like Rand, or I'd really like to be like I can't remember the, any other any of their characters' names now, but you know, basically. They all wanted to be like the other guy because they were right. much better with women than they were. <laughs> and that was that was another staple of five books long. Yes. Yes. It's uh the, the series is uh you know, I, I watched season one and I think it's it's much tighter. They're introducing some things earlier, like uh the the naive uh land mandragoran um love interest and what have you. Okay. So I was, I was, ple- I mean, there's some changes like, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I might quibble over a little bit, like how the ways looked, um, but, or at least the gateways to them, but that's like mm-hmm. so nitpicky. I don't, you know, whatever. I, th- I think they they have the advantage of 18 or whatever books they can edit down under like, unlike the, uh, the George R. R. Martin, you know, <laughs> Song of Fire and Ice, right? Right. Where the book still isn't finished. Still <laughs> not finished. And, and they're. And from what I understand, like totally packed with like things that are character building or plot moving. So it's hard to cut anything. Uh, yeah. So compared it was... to wheel of time. So <laughs> yes, yes. I think there's huge swaths of the wheel of time that you could lose and, and everybody would probably just be happier for it. But right. the expanse is now complete in all of its forms or is as complete. It's going to get. So the, the books are done. Um, yeah. There's one last novella that I need to read. Um, and then season six of the, of the the streaming series on Amazon came out. And unfortunately, this is the final series. I mean, which I don't, did you know that? Before? I did not yeah, know did this you... until I saw you put it in the notes. <laughs> and I'm like, because because at the end, and I don't want to give away spoilers, but things are happening. Yeah. And like big things are happening. And if this is the final season, that's that's frustrating. Yeah, you just have to go and read the books. I mean, I guess I think in the grand scheme of things, it is a logical breakpoint. Like if yes. you had to end it, 
this is a good yeah. place to end it because it brings it to a nice conclusion and you've kind of sown the seeds for if somebody ever picks up the expanse again they could easily run the the last three books and and the way that those books are written they could be their own they're their own arc right like they build on what came before but um enough things have changed and and time has has moved on enough that you you could have a follow-on series at some point if somebody wanted to do that but if amazon's not going to do it like yeah, <laughs> I don't like, know who's going to roll up with a couple hundred million dollars <laughs> to finish the series. <laughs> like, there's one part in there. There's one part during the episode that was like, okay, this is like a big future plot, and then the end. Yeah, I can definitely see how it would wrap things up, and it's like, okay, this is a new phase, a new era of humanity and the governments of humanity. But knowing that it was the last episode in the season not knowing that it was the last episode in the series was I, I let the credits play and there's something at the end of the credits that happens. That's like, okay, I want to watch this next season. (laughs) And then now I find out there's not another season. I'll tell you after we record. So we don't spoil anybody else. It's, it's, uh, it's not like a Marvel after credit scene. It's like 30 seconds. Gotcha. But in any case, it's, I, I really enjoyed the series. It was a great mashup of hard SF um, and, and some space opera elements, right? Like there's weird alien tech. There was stuff that broke reality. There's extrasolar or portals, you know, there's right. the things that lie beneath the stars. Uh, you know, it was an interesting mix up and I loved the original premise of, uh, of the books, which was humanity before it spread to the stars. Like that, that moment, just as we're getting, big enough to go out into the larger galaxy and just what that means for the human race. Yeah. Uh, so I loved it. And now I want to go back and, and rewatch it honestly, because when I started watching it, the series was still on sci-fi and oh, that was right. a number that's, of years ago. Right. That, so that switched, didn't it? it I don't did. know. It jumped to, I think I actually, no, I did watch the beginning of it. I just happened to watch it when it was on Amazon. It starts out with the detective. Yes. I love yeah. Miller. Yeah, so, I mean, I love the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the last thing that uh, happened this week for me, which I'm paying attention to, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get it. Like, I just it's a matter of time of and budget. Is uh, the Tome of Beasts uh, three Kickstarter for Cobalt Press? This is their third massive book of uh, of monsters. Actually, okay. no, their fourth massive books because there's two previous Tomes of Beasts, and then there's a uh, creature codex i think or creature collection whatever um so there's a book of 400 new monsters for DD fifth edition um the kickstarter's got all kinds of add-ons to it like there's going to be 16 or more monster minis that you can get uh virtual tabletop editions for digital play uh, an engraved uh, dice set which they've never done before nice uh, a, a ready to play tome of beasts uh layers book where they take basically monsters from the tome of beasts and then put them into this collection of short adventures Right. Okay. So if you're desperate for an adventure, you just grab the Lair's book off your shelf and you're good to go. Cool. I got it for the first Tome of Beasts, but not the second one. But it was it was definitely worth picking up. So, yeah, as, as we've discussed previously, I have a creature feature problem. I love monster books. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got to say, like, they're great because they're just weird enough and just different enough to kind of throw your players off. And so it's been fantastic for me for my Scales of Truth campaign. And as I'm stalking the Caverns of Kazeel. I'm just pulling out the weird stuff and I'm throwing it in the caverns. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, that sounds cool. 
Yeah, you you mentioned minis. There's minis in this Kickstarter. Are they there are. actual plastic minis? Are they releasing like STL files for printing or or both? Uh, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, I, I haven't delved in deeply enough because honestly, I'm not going to get the minis. Gotcha. I'm not. I just call out minis. I'm not calling out the materials for the minis. That probably means they're. I'm guessing they're 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 physical things like dice. Then yes, they, I know yeah. they are physical things like dice. I don't know that they're providing you with the with the print 3D files. files the yeah. print files. A lot of a lot of Kickstarters are, or a lot of new release stuff has been coming out and saying, "Hey, there's a decent." Uh, decent overlap in the Venn diagram of tabletop gamer and 3D printer uh, right. <laughs> enthusiast that, or home 3D printer that that will release STL files for print for people to print out. So, COVID and all this stuff has made me very frustrated, but also probably been good for my pocketbook because right. <laughs> I would have bought a a resin printer. I've you know I've already got the the filament printer, but Resin printers are really, really good for minis. So uh, I have not bought one of those, uh, but I totally would have if I actually had an in-person gaming group. So, but I do not. So it's been good for my wallet there. Yeah, maybe when the pandemic is over. No, nah, I don't. I don't have yeah. space for it. I need a new house. I have too much stuff, yeah. and now that I'm building model rockets, it's taking up even more st- space. And those are way bigger than uh, than resin models or well, resin know, minis. So you know what George Carlin said. Houses are a place place to put your stuff. <laughs> so this yeah, is true. Just, just get a bigger house, or or build true. a. You know, I don't know what your how your house is situated, but you know, build a build a gaming shed in the backyard or whatever. Well, you know, unfortunately, my my fortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately. You know, my daughter is <laughs> is at college, but she's she still needs her room oh. for a few more years. Yep, yep. Uh, she does want to come home and hang out with us, and I would not want to discourage that. But you know, that was the old game room back in the day. Jordan's room was my game room, so gotcha. Uh, one know, day, one day, be wrong to reclaim it, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> there is a little bit of the empty nesting thing starting right now with with Aaron and I, even though. You know, uh, Isleen's only a freshman, and then Tegan's uh, Tegan's a junior in high school. So we've got some more years, but you know that's where the whole boat stuff came from, right? And <laughs> that's there's we're even talking about like what to do when like Isleen goes to college and gets her own apartment and, and is not coming back, sort of thing. Uh, goes to a residential college, not not the one she's at right now and uh right yeah so it's going to be it'll be interesting in the next few years although we've done a lot of cleanup in the basement recently as well so current minis slash electronics stations down there are much more accessible than they were (laughs) that sort of stuff although it's cold right now so (laughs) yeah if we had a house with a basement where i wouldn't hit my head on uh ductwork uh that that Mm. might also be helpful, but, uh, that is not currently the case. So I got a few years before we get to that point. Yeah. (laughs) So what you've been up to? Yeah. So not, uh, not as many things as you, uh, work kind of consumed my week this week. So, uh, but I did see that a game that I've enjoyed before had had 100 percented but then they added more, <laughs> added more achievements <laughs> to, uh, the, was, was Astroneer, 
and I've really enjoyed it before. And they added a the Xenobiology update. Uh, they've added since I had last played, they added a lot of automation and other stuff like that. And I just wasn't as interested in that. I wasn't going to play it through again just for that. But then they added uh, a- cute alien snails that you can find <laughs> on every planet. And if you feed them a certain uh, food that they like, they their special ability will manifest like one just lights up and glows around it. Another one will reveal uh, secret points of interest on the planet uh, that it's on. Uh, another one, if, you, if it's, if it's fed, will just constantly supply you with oxygen. Uh, so, so you don't have to worry about tethers and things like that, which is nice. So I've been, I played that a little bit and have been having fun with it. And, and of course, since they've added all the, the automation pieces trying to find the thing that I want to print uh, in game is very, is a lot more difficult because there's like three times the amount of stuff that there was before. Uh, But some of the automation stuff's kind of neat with like an auto arm was like the first thing you can get where it has a zone of pickup and then a zone of, I'm going to put it down over here. So if I have a zone of pickup and I, throw down a bunch of things that can be smelted, it will automatically load the smelter that I've placed nearby and automatically smelt it. Uh, and, and so that's, that's kind of fun and interesting, but, uh, trying to find and unlock the, the various snails, uh, and getting them, befriending them and gathering them in a terrarium and, and, and such has been pretty fun. (laughs) Fantastic. It's it's a fun game overall. And this just kind of adds a little extra, a little extra fun to it. But yeah, I I had 100%ed it before. You have to unlock different uh different obelisks on all of the different planets and then all of the obelisks connect to the center of that planet and you have to unlock the center of that planet and then once you unlock all of those, there's more stuff that happens after that. I I did finish the rest of the interdependency series. I think I was most of the way through book 2 last time we talked. I finished uh, The Consuming Fire and then The Last Emperox, which was really good. It felt actually a little bit like the ending of season six of things. <laughs> it's does, like, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we're at a break point. Humanity is still going to go on. The Empire is still going to go on, maybe. Uh, but there are definite changes that are go- that are happening. And we're going to leave it there. You know, things are going to happen in the weeks, months, decades, centuries to come. But this is the end of the series of that window of time that we're looking in on the the last of this interdependency empire. I think it worked well. Uh, I think the ending was was interesting. It was a, you know, a little melancholy, you know, because not it wasn't. Wasn't a super happy, fun ending, but it also wasn't a everything's going to die ending. So I think yes. I think it was a realistic ending uh, in terms of how some sci-fi goes, and uh, it was good. I liked it. And then finally, we uh, just yesterday actually did a session zero of Scum and Villainy, which is our main topic today. Uh, it was kind of a surprise, I think, for pretty much everybody. Because we were going to get together and talk about Scum and Villainy, and we were going to get together and talk about scheduling for it. One hour turned into two hours, and we have 
we created our our ship and we we outfitted our ship talked about a bunch of other stuff we actually have a like an order of things like how we want to talk about it because if we don't then i'll just spin off the top of my head and ken will just look at me <laughs> yeah so we we t- the first thing we did and well, well how about we go flip back and forth point to point yeah sure the uh, first thing we did that of note that was talk about the setting you know do we want to do scum and villainy the scum and villainy setting or do we want to do star wars because everyone who's playing is familiar with star wars and there was a decent amount of back and forth on that i don't think everybody was super like there are people that were very interested in playing star wars but we decided to play the scum and villainy setting so that we didn't have to worry about canon or what era are we playing in you know especially since we're going to you know brought you know we're going to have stream these on Twitch as well is we're going to want people to uh enjoy it but not also have their fandom tweaked a little bit if we get if we get things wrong which we inevitably would or get things right for us but wrong for others right right yeah it's like do we do we do old old canon or new canon i don't remember the actual terms for it anymore there's right. i think there's like three different types of canon now do we stick only to the movies do we uh allow the tv shows in do we accept all of it you know how much do we accept for canon we didn't want to answer those questions <laughs> so right we just said okay let's just let's let's do the scum and villainy canon uh scum and villainy setting and because it's there are things there but it's not set in stone and we can make it our own and no one's really right. going to get upset by that yeah and so we we also as part of that we had talked about as we actually talked about on our previous episode like part the comes with that is taking on a little bit of player ownership or just like campaign ownership doing some some of the world building right like that we're we're going to just be throwing stuff out there and we're going to be cool with doing that mm-hmm. um as opposed to being able to you know just rely heavily on the canon right of star wars and just go oh well you know let me pull out my star wars atlas and i'll tell you about like one of the 500 worlds that's currently in that right so right i think that's that's cool and i think people were looking for the for the room to be able to improvise in that way and everybody was was good with it yeah, I, I I think Aaron was really pushing for the Star Wars, really hoping for it, but I think she also understands we're going to have limited amount of time, brain power, prep, etc. I'm I'm hoping that this will be this will still be good. I mean, Scum and Villainy is Star Wars with the serial numbers filed off. So I I think if we uh I think we'll all enjoy it because we're going to play it similar to that. Uh, and that goes kind of into the next, next topic of, of the tone of it. Like, how are we going to play it uh, pretty well? Right. So I think with the, one of the, the, the big thing we're talking about is basically, is it lighthearted versus grimdark? Is it, I think we called it Lego Batman versus the Batman, which is coming out. Right. And so uh, we decided on, on lighthearted, uh, given the time of night, we're going to be playing. It's going to be later at night. Uh, you know, we're likely to get silly because we're all just going to be tired. So. Uh, yeah. And and some of us didn't feel like we could actually pull off grimdark. <laughs> yeah, headspace <laughs> you got to get into, <laughs> and so we thought uh, we thought lighthearted would would be the the way to go. Um, possible inspirations that we we kind of threw out there: uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Solo, the Star Wars movie, 
the one shot uh, Star Wars movie, uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which, you know, I think the thing we were talking about, right? Like, is there, you can still have serious topics and a lighthearted thing, right? Like, you know, we was talking about in Guardians of the Galaxy, like in volume two, Star Lord has to like confront and ultimately kill his dad, who, yep. oh, by the way, killed his mom, yep. right? So, like, oh, spoilers, but it's been out for a few years. So, you know, yep. <laughs> I, I think I'm within the uh, margin. Yeah, and and in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, they're trying to protect the planet from being destroyed and everybody right. on it. And right. you know, but hilarity ensues as well. So right. yeah, I'm I like having kind of serious overtones to it. It'll be more another set of inspirations, at least in my head, or at least a dichotomy of it, is Teen Titans, the animated series versus Teen Titans Go. I think we're okay. much more on the Teen Titans side, which got, which had funny stuff, but also had you know serious plot lines. Whereas Teen Titans Go is, I don't know how to describe it, toilet humor, thirteen-year-old <laughs> boy. It's definitely I never on the. It, but I saw enough of it to know that I didn't want to watch it. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's very on the silly side, and uh, we're not. I don't think we're going to go there, which leads to our last inspiration, which was ice pirates <laughs> and okay, maybe not ice pirates. So yeah, ice pirates was definitely, definitely over the line in terms of the silly. Uh, yes, I think so. Yes. yes. Maybe more to so had- princess bride. Yes. Which is slightly yes, more pi- serious than, than ice pirates. It's, it's like getting slightly. toward that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we had fun riffing on Ice Pirates for a little bit. We did. Um, so we were also talking about smuggle, like the ship, right? So one of yep. the things we have to do in Scum and Villainy is figure out what ship we have and which crew we have. Yep. So we, I mean, Scum and Villainy comes with three ships. There's the smugglers, there's the freedom fighters, and the bounty hunters. And each ship is is technically named. So there's the Star Dancer, which is the smuggler ship. There's the uh, other ones that I don't have right now. Can you tell which one we chose? Uh, <laughs> the Fire Drake actually is the one, another one that I remembered, which is the the ones that are like the rebels and, and such, the uh, freedom fighters or criminals. And then there's the bounty hunter ship, which I don't remember. But we went ahead and said, rather, all the players, uh, since I'm nominally running the game, Smugglers is the best one that fits. You know, we're... We're all good with uh, Han Solo. We're good with Firefly, etc. cetera. Uh, although I did mention Cowboy Bebop and they went, hmm, bounty hunters might be interesting. But <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're settled on smugglers, which was interesting because, well, uh, we'll talk about it when we get to the crew. As we outfitted the ship and went through it, started de- defining how the crew acted on that ship. We're not just smugglers. Let's just put it that way. Right. <laughs> so like some of the things are that are interesting is the crew decided to up the hull and up the engines and so they they decided they're more runners not fighters but we've got a, a decent set of smuggling compartments since we've upgraded the hull the smuggling compartments can smuggle people because they're pressurized and have atmosphere if we if we want to and then we've got a good set of drum drives we'll talk about what's in the ship in a little bit but uh, Ken, why don't you talk about, uh, since you're one of the players, why don't you talk about the rest of the players and their characters? 
Yeah, so we have uh, our friend Chris Miller is going to be playing a Stitch, which is the uh, doctor slash scientist type. I don't think we've he's settled quite yet on where he's going to fall there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have my my character. I'm playing a pilot. Uh, I'm planning on uh, playing a pilot who's a very daredevil, daredevil like adventure seeking. Like piloting a ship is the least interesting thing that I do, <laughs> and so I'm hoping that we'll get into all sorts of very interesting problems nice. <laughs> i'm engaging in my vices or like you know hey somebody's got to jump off the cliff might as well be me nice our friend, our friend josh is going to be playing a mechanic we haven't quite figured out his uh you know we're still figuring out our respective sh- uh shticks. we have yeah. uh you know we have ideas of what our niches are and i think as we go through character creation we actually have our character creation session we'll we'll flesh out some more of that yeah we said we said session zero but really that's just clickbait to for all those people who are interested in <laughs> session zeros, we only did half of a session zero. So we're going to have a session 0.5 or session one half. We created the ship, but we haven't done character creation yet. Right. I think we've given ourselves enough to be able to, to have an idea as to where the campaign could go. And we also yeah. talked about the length of the campaign, which is a shorter thing. It's going to be like two to three months, um, you know, once a week for that time period. And uh, so I think we, we kind of set our collective expectations about what we're looking to do. And I think it gave us enough to be able to start, you know, brainstorming ideas for for characters. Chris Johnson is going to play the muscle, which I think is going to be great. And, and Aaron is going to play a scoundrel. Yep. Which, you know, the, the interesting thing is what we, the, the, what we don't have is we don't have uh, a face man. Um, what are they called? Are they speakers? Speakers. Uh, so Erin can be a face person, but she's but the that playbook is more on the deception con artist side of thing, whereas the speaker is more I know people, I get along with people, people like me. Right. So we have a face. It's just like the more deceptive face. Right. Um because it's important. If I've learned nothing from my lunchtime campaign or our GURPS Fast and Furious campaign, you need a face man because otherwise you just end up in a lot of like shootouts and uh or in your case in your guys's case probably running away yes 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 running away until one of the characters dies in a climactic explosion and his brother shows up and he's a he's an fbi agent and he's our new face guy (laughs) (laughs) i actually i actually meant uh running away uh in scum and villainy but that's interesting yes 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 (laughs) we could also we could also run away in scum and villainy um and then, uh, so anyway, those are our those are our, our characters that we have so far. Um, the other character class that we don't have, or type the playbook that we don't have, is Mystic. Um, yes, which is interesting. Which was a which was a crew. choice. <laughs> which was a choice. Uh, yes, a distinct choice. But then after that decision of we don't want to play, we don't want to have it. And what you know, none of us are interested in playing Mystics. Then, as we were going through crew creation. There's uh there's a list of adjectives for your reputation as a crew, and everyone chose strange, which means that you deal with the strange, weird er artifacts, precursor artifacts, things to deal with the way. It's like being in Star Wars, being smugglers of things like lightsabers and kyber crystals and Sith artifacts, and everyone is not force sensitive on the entire ship. Like right. no, no one, no one is a, a Jedi. No one is a Sith. No one is any of that. Uh, but you right. deal with it all the time. Right. <laughs> we may have all lost our sense of taste because of the most recent artifact we picked up, but we have absolutely no idea how to use it. Right. Um, right. So I mean, you're kind of like, 
kind of like Indiana Jones or a Laura Croft character dealing with all these mystical things, but not actually being mystical yourself. Right. Right. Or, you know, Star-Lord, you know, in the first Guardian showing up, getting this orb, has no idea what's in it. Right. Like there's just a bunch of people who want it. Yep. And it's worth money. Yep. Like who cares? Infinity Stone. What the heck's one of those? (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's. If I could, if we could do a scene like that in Star in in Scum and Villainy that was like was in that was in Guardians of the Galaxy, that'd be amazing because he was in an ancient temple to steal that orb, which he was effectively stealing from Yondo, and who he then had to steal from Ronan's goons. So it right. was like layers of of theft that star Wars star Lord <laughs> yes. was going through it was pretty awesome it was fantastic they're strange uh and and are have a reputation for dealing with the strange they stole a land rover uh an armored land rover from the the night speakers and the night speakers are not happy about it but luckily the Drynek gang helped them increase their hull and their engines you also helped out the acolytes of uh, Brash Kadesh to get some of your ship gear and such. The weird thing was that you you helped them get back their their ex wives or their entertainment people. The acolytes of Brash Kadesh are weird, uh, a little a little off. Um, they all dress alike. They all have the same name, so it's kind of like seven wives for seven brothers ish. It was like seven hundred wives for seven hundred brothers, right? Right. Like- right. <laughs> So they also, uh, you also have a med lab, um, so that the, the stitch can have people rather than working on them in the, on a cargo bay floor, uh, you can, or, or in the galley on the galley table, uh, you can actually have a med bay that's stocked with actual medical supplies. So that's, that's good. come in handy. That's good. Uh, and then, uh, actually our next step, we kind of, I, I kind of told it, said about it earlier, which is. We need to do character creation, but before we do character creation, uh, and we're not going to stream this, but uh, next week we're going to get together because none of us have really played this before. A few of us have played a couple of intro games of Blades in the Dark, but not everybody has. People have been going through the rules, but not actually in it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a one-shot uh, with basically pre-gen characters, I'm just going to basically put together pre-gen characters, put together a ship, say, here you go. This is the job you're on so that we kind of skip some of those other pieces and we'll play that. So that's, that's what we're going to be doing next. It'll also, it not only will it hopefully get all you interested and uh, interested in the game and familiar with some of the rules of the, of the system and how the system works, but it will also give some backstory to your actual new characters. So, you know, the things you do in this one shot may actually show up in the actual game. Which I think is fantastic, right? Like, you know, hearkening back to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy again, and like in volume two, you you see a previous crew of the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like these this other Ravager faction. I think in, in the comic books, they're actually like a previous iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But like, it's cool. Like, there's this history just waiting to be used in the in the main campaign. So I'm I'm excited. I think it's gonna be cool. Yep. 
yeah, it should be interesting. I hope. Why don't you take us out? I think because I, unless you have anything more. No, I, th- I think that's it. Like we wanted to be just short and sweet and get an update out and kind of like talk to people about this uh, session 0.5. Yep. <laughs> and then maybe we'll talk about the other half of session 0.5 once it's actually done. But, you know, we'll update people on how our uh, our play test went and, and go from there. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have feedback, we love feedback. You can send it to us at podcast at lairofsecrets.com or via Twitter at lairofsecrets. You can also visit lairofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, your own thoughts about what we talked about as a comment on the show notes. Have a good day, everybody. And also we haven't added it to our outro script. We are on Twitch layer of secrets. So we'll, we'll get that in here somewhere at some point. Have a good day.